This podcast contains mature themes and explicit language. Movie Lovers is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. everybody out there in movie land. Welcome to Movie Lovers. This week is a bye week for a full episode of Movie Lovers, but we don't want to short our audience on content. To steal my favorite murders terminology, this will be a quote-unquote mini-sode. Hopefully they don't have that trademarked. And uh, it'll just be with me, Mallory, going over a small fraction of our usual categories. So let's get to it. Today we are discussing part one of the documentary Phoenix Rising, which details Evan Rachel Wood's life as it relates to the abuse that she has suffered at the hands of Marilyn Manson. The documentary weaves back and forth from more recent footage of Evan preparing evidence. She's going over letters, photos, and videos of her relationship with Manson in efforts to pass a bill called the Phoenix Act, which is aimed at increasing the statute of limitations for sexual assault survivors in combination with portraying her childhood, her parents' divorce, and her comeuppance in Hollywood. Before we get into more of the documentary's details, I wanted to take a moment to express how and why this story is even of interest to me. I've been a fan of Evan Rachel Woods for, I think it's safe to say, over 20 years. She did the film 13 back in 2003. I can't believe that's coming up on its 20-year anniversary next year. And so I've been an active fan of hers since seeing that movie when I was a kid. I was... 14 when that movie came out and subconsciously have been a fan long before that. She was in the movie Practical Magic when she was a kid. Love that movie. She's had a really long, awesome career. I became a fan of Marilyn Manson in my later high school years. When I was a kid, he scared the shit out of me. My stepbrother was really into him and he had posters up on his walls and he just was really scary to me. But uh, in my you know, I don't know, sophomore, junior, senior year, I got more into Manson. He released that Lest We Forget album. That was kind of a compilation of all of his greatest hits. And then it was either in 2006 or 2007 came the Heart Shaped Glasses album. I was obsessed. I saw Marilyn Manson in concert in 2007 which was my biggest, heaviest concert that I'd ever been to up until that date. At that time, I was fascinated by the relationship between Evan Rachel Wood and Marilyn Manson. I had a morbid infatuation with their relationship, how openly sexual they were, how darkly romantic he seemed, and all of that emo bullshit that 18-year-old millennials go through. Then in my mid-20s, I realized my bisexuality, and Evan Rachel Wood became sort of an idol to me. I consumed a lot of her content, including speeches about her sexuality, and eventually her journey to reform sexual assault survivors' rights. I listened to interviews and testimonies in front of the California State Senate as she relived the sexual assault she experienced, all while not naming her abuser at that time. 
she did all of this all while knowing full well that there was nothing to be done about her injustices because the statute of limitations that she was fighting to extend had run out in her case. Any changes she helped to create wouldn't even benefit her. She had photos, videos, all the proof she would need to accuse her abuser, who was unnamed at that time, but all you had to do was do the math and you would know that it was the time that she was with Manson. Um, But by the time she had gotten past her trauma enough to report it, the statute of limitations was up. So this kind of brings us a little bit more to present date. If you are familiar with their story at all, you'll know that in the last year, Evan Rachel Wood and a myriad of other women have come forward sharing that Marilyn Manson sexually abused them physically abuse them, whatever. Everybody's story is a tiny bit different, but there are a lot of similarities between all of them. So that kind of leads us to today. So my first memory with this documentary, Phoenix Rising, was two days ago. I watched it on my laptop. Thank you, COVID, for making the Sundance Film Festival available to regular schmucks like me. I spent $20 on a ticket to be able to see the premiere of this documentary. This was just part one. Part one and part two will air on HBO Max sometime in March, I believe is what they said. So this documentary is fresh, 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 fresh on my mind. Moving on to another one of our categories, character I identify with most. This isn't a work of fiction, so I'll amend this category to be called person you identify with most instead of character. And that person is Evan. Without getting into all the hairy details, I was previously in an emotionally abusive relationship. Emotional abuse is a tough one because you constantly downplay the damage. I mean, I I never was actually hit or sexually assaulted. It's all on an emotional level, but in some ways that can feel even worse. The mantra, I wish he'd hit me so I'd have a reason to leave, was one that crossed my mind quite frequently, and even in the years since. But as I'm watching this documentary and throughout the narrative, there are all these awesome Alice in Wonderland type illustrations that are accompanied with storybook graphics that are spelling out the definitions of domestic abuse related terminology. Evan uses her experience with Manson to illustrate the grooming process and isolation as just two of several examples. Over and over again, I keep seeing my ex-husband and my experience illustrated in her stories. And that exact comparison is why this documentary is so important. Evan Rachel Wood and the filmmakers of this documentary have been clear that the sole purpose of this piece is not only just to nail Manson and to hold him accountable for his actions, if that's a byproduct, yes, please, but that is not the main intention. They're making an effort to shed light on this topic of domestic abuse to help others recognize the warning signs in their own relationships, and to influence lawmakers. This documentary is equal parts Evan's life through home movies, through her relationship with Manson, and her activism efforts to change the laws around sexual assault. The most iconic moment in this documentary is the revelation that is resulting in splashy headlines across the internet right now. The revelation in question is that Manson raped Evan Rachel Wood on camera for the heart-shaped glasses music video. I won't speak to the horrible internet trolls and Manson fans who are having a heyday with this revelation. Instead, I will speak to my reaction. 
as I stated earlier, uh, the height of my fandom for Marilyn Manson was during this album cycle of heart shaped glasses and during his relationship with Evan Rachel Wood and the music video in question. If you go and search it online right now, you will see a version that is just the music video, but the original version of this music video had an intro before the video part of it actually started. And it was this sex scene between Manson and Evan Rachel Wood. And uh, in the in the press, they swore up and down that it was just simulated. But my emo wannabe goth self, who, you know, looking at Evan Rachel Wood, she's just this beautiful porcelain blonde angel. Eh. Yes, I do have a little bit of a crush on her. <laughs> but uh, just in general, being objective, you know, looking at her in juxtaposition to Marilyn Manson, you know, in that time, I I idolized guys like that. It just, it was so darkly romantic. And there's a song on the album called If I Was Your Vampire, you know, he's just this dark vampiric you know, seemed like this hopeless romantic, you know, that's also very provocative and whatever, you know, next to her just insane beauty. And I watched that video a lot. And I watched that sex scene a lot. And to learn that this video that I've seen so many times was literally a rape situation in plain sight is just absolutely horrendous. I, I can't, I can't even imagine how Evan feels, and she describes a lot of that in the documentary, but just as a a fan of both of them at that time, I'm just, there aren't even words, there aren't even words, I'm just astounded. She details not feeling safe enough to stop it, she details, you know, the surprise, this wasn't something that she signed off on, and when he just, in the moment, decided to slip it in. To put it bluntly, she was incredibly surprised, but didn't feel like she could stop it. She details the crew being visibly uncomfortable and doing nothing. And a crew member has since in the last couple of days actually come forward to corroborate her story. I think it was in a a Rolling Stone article or something. But, um, you know, I, I wish that the focus was less on this one particular thing and more on the actual point of the documentary. But for those that actually take the time to watch this in March when it lands on HBO Max, I hope it illuminates the intricacies of abuse and how hard it can be to recognize at times and how hard it can be to stop. So that that's definitely the most iconic moment of this whole thing. I'm going to skip straight ahead to my emotional and controversial takes. This whole discussion has been a rather emotional one, and I've touched on a lot of sensitive topics I'd like to take this emotional take opportunity to express just how watching this two days ago has affected me. If I could speak directly to Evan Rachel Wood and tell her how brave she is and how much it means to me that she's shedding light on such a serious topic like this, I would, but I highly doubt she's listening. (laughs) So uh, as someone who lived through an emotionally abusive relationship and didn't even realize until the relationship ended that that's what it was, this documentary touched me in a lot of ways. I've already mentioned the abuse definitions featured in the documentary itself, but it's made me dig back into what I experienced and try to make sense of it over the last couple of days, like I've been doing since 
2015. <laughs> I think it's going to make for some interesting therapy conversations for sure. But just digging into articles from therapists and psychologists online and seeing the signs of abuse written plain as day, you know, it doubly makes my heart drop while at the same time validates my experience. And that's why it's so important to talk about these things and bring them to light. When I was in it, I didn't know that he was isolating me from my friends and my family over time. I didn't realize he was suppressing my interests and my strengths. I didn't realize he had taken total control over our finances. I didn't realize that he had essentially erased my entire identity and sense of self. It can be a slow burn and so gradual that you don't even know it's happening until you come up for air and you see the deep abyss of abuse you just emerged from. That was heavy, so thanks for sticking with me. Uh, Moving on to controversial take. My controversial take has less to do with my actual opinion or what I think is right and has more to do with the conversation around cancel culture. Ever since the Me Too movement, men in the entertainment industry across many disciplines have been called out for their behavior. Hand-in-hand with that whistleblowing comes canceling anything that they've been part of, most likely. My blood boils over so intensely when I look at the comments on articles or social media posts about Evan sharing her story. Uh, Manson's fan base seems to be pretty hard-headed, and the victim-blaming is strong. But the anger that that causes me aside, it brings about the notion that Manson's music might get canceled in this process. For some, people like me, it's already been canceled, big time. I've thrown out his autobiography ages ago. I got rid of the couple of shirts that I had. I deleted his music from my devices. But as you get a glimpse of in the documentary, you see snippets of his intelligence, how well-spoken he is. You see the legacy he's left in challenging the public to question their beliefs, through means of the shock rock performances he's exhibited over the years. I was just having a conversation with Jonah yesterday about how much it sucks that Manson has proved to be an abusive piece of shit and not the smart yet creepy artist he once was identified as. How do we rectify what he's brought into our culture in juxtaposition to what he's done in his personal life? It brings up other artists for me, Actor Kevin Spacey, comedian Louis C.K., among many, many, many others. I don't think there's a clear-cut answer on how to deal with this dilemma. It's a controversial conversation for sure, but in my head, Manson has exhibited so much abuse and racism and Nazism and so many other things in his art that it all deserves to be canceled because it is no longer ironic. He's no longer holding up a mirror to society and saying, hey world, look at how stupid you are for prescribing such importance to all of these meaningless societal structures. He's not being provocative when he's tattooing swastika-esque designs on his body or doing watercolors of creepy Hitlers. He's making it clear that he does hold Nazi-like beliefs. Evan discusses this in the documentary briefly. You can find quotes from her in other articles where she touches on things that he made her do because she's of Jewish descent, all sorts of fucked up stuff. But, you know, same goes for his music videos or photography surrounding his art. 
you know, all the shit that's, that's featuring quote unquote simulated sex or simulated abuse. It's all called into question now because he's not faking it. It's real. That makes it different to me than someone like Kevin Spacey or Louis CK or whoever. That's a whole nother bag of worms to discuss, but you got my drift. I'm not going to bother giving out an Oscar as we do in our usual episodes. I'm also not going to give it a rating. While I think it is a top-notch documentary, I think Amy Berg has done a spectacular job. I think the subject matter is more important to focus on than the tiny details you could find to pick apart about it. It's also not quite relevant to discuss the impact that this has had on the film industry like we normally do because it's literally happening as we speak. Numerous women have come forward with their stories and Manson is being investigated, but history is about to change. I really feel like we are on the precipice of laws changing regarding all of this subject matter, or the very least, I hope that we are. In closing, I think everyone should put this documentary on their list. Keep your eyes peeled on HBO Max this spring. Uh, Better yet, go give Evan Rachel Wood a follow on Instagram. She is always sharing progress and snippets from articles and all sorts of valuable information in her Instagram story and in her feed in general. So you'll for sure be up to date on when things are coming out and when there's been new revelations in the case. I'll wrap it up with this. I love this one thing that she just shared today in her Instagram story. It's a screenshot from another user uh, the username is at Charlene underscore Yi. That's C-H-A-R-L-Y-N-E underscore Y-I. And it reads as follows. Society presumes innocence and infinite jobs and redemption for sexual predators. As where survivors and whistleblowers are exiled, blacklisted, condemned, and presumed guilty for wanting to protect their life which speaking out and being scapegoated, forcing them into isolation without support systems makes their life more vulnerable. Media spins that everything a survivor says as quote-unquote alleged and gives the abuser a platform to tell the quote-unquote truth, uplifting them to control the narrative. No mention of quote-unquote alleged when they share. I absolutely love that, and it's so fucking true. And it makes me cringe every single time I see an article headline where it's Evan Rachel Wood alleges blah, 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 or claims blah, blah, blah. Those words automatically infer doubt. And why do we do that? Why do we give the power to these people who are so clearly abusive? What Evan has done with this documentary is taken control of her narrative. In the Sundance Q&A after the screening with the filmmaker, editor, and a couple other contributors, and Evan herself, Evan said something about how all she can do is tell her truth. It's not her job to disprove others or to address all the doubters or people that are victim-blaming. All she can do is share her truth. And that's what she's done with this amazing documentary. I can't wait to see the rest of it, and I encourage you all to see it yourselves. At the very least, it will shed some light on a topic that I guarantee you someone you know or you yourself has experienced. Thank you for being such an advocate and an activist, Evan. Stay strong. Jonah and I stand with you. Hashtag, I stand with Evan Rachel Wood. (laughs) 
Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this quick mini-sode of Movie Lovers, and we will see you next week with Jonah's pick. Thanks for listening to Movie Lovers. If you like what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback goes a really long way to helping our little podcast that could be seen by the world. Also, don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram, too. You can find us by searching the handle Movie Lovers Pod on either platform. This is the part of the podcast where Jonah and I shamelessly promote our respective services that we provide in our careers. I'm a session musician and composer for hire. I do commission pieces ranging from podcast jingles to keyboard and orchestral arrangements, video game soundtracks, etc. The sky is the limit. If you're looking for custom composition services, you can find me on my website at www.jonahweingarten.com. That's J-O-N-A-H-W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-E-N.com. Movie Lovers is a Mally Creative production. I, Mally, am the owner of Mally Creative, a marketing and multimedia design agency. If you or anyone you know is in the market for social media strategy, design, or management services, or perhaps you need a new website designed or even print or digital graphic design services, please reach out to me at my website, www.mallycreative.com. Again, that's www.mallycreative.com. If you'd like to advertise on our podcast, please reach out to us on social media, on our website at www.movieloverspod.com, or by contacting Mally Creative.